0: Welcome to Brain Wellness, the podcast. I'm your host, Mandy MP. Each episode will bring you a new topic or interview related to brain health and wellness as part of my mission to help you on the path to a healthier, happier brain. So let's get started. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to another episode of Brain Wellness, the podcast. Today, my guest is Andrea Nicholson. Andrea helps driven, successful people struggling with poor metabolism, digestive issues, and low energy to achieve vibrant health. Using over a decade of experience in the health industry, training as a nutrition therapist master and a restorative wellness practitioner, she creates personalized coaching packages for clients using functional lab testing and cutting-edge technologies to uncover underlying imbalances and for clients to gain uh, actionable awareness into the choices, habits, and behaviors that they have that that aren't serving them. Welcome to the show, Andrea.
1: Thank you so much for having me. I'm really excited about this today.
0: Yeah, I love talking nutrition. It's a topic that comes up all the time with my patients, uh, regardless of any kind of neurological issue that we're dealing with. Uh, It's there, and it's a huge conversation, so I'm excited for this today. Yeah, Yeah. So my first question for everybody always is what is your story? Why is brain health and or
1: nutrition for you? um, Interesting. You know, I think nutrition is foundational to everything. So of course that includes brain health and cognition and all, you know, memory and concentration and focus and creativity and all the things that play into brain health, but it's everything else as well. You know, it doesn't really matter if you're thinking super clearly, but your belly hurts or, you know, there's something else that's plaguing you. Mm -hmm. So I think nutrition is just, it's foundational to all things, health and vibrancy and just feeling your best. And so if we can dial that in for you, then you have the best opportunity to live your best life. Mm -hmm.
0: Did you have any nutrition issues of your own that got you interested in there? Was it family or what, where'd that come from?
1: Yeah, I had, uh, you know, a little bit of everything. I think like (laughs) most practitioners, we get into this for our own health first and then find this passion along the way. Yeah. Um, so I definitely have a family history. I have a lot of heart disease in my family and that heart disease is severe enough that it causes early death Mm. and, you know, dying really young and that kind of thing. And so that was always kind of in the back of my mind as something I want to do everything I can to, you know, not go down that same path. Yeah. Didn't always Wait. follow yeah. that advice <laughs> as a teenager. And I, I have distinct memories of eating the worst foods after yeah. school and just terrible. So I didn't always walk the walk for sure. Yeah. But along the way, once I did start paying attention, I, I think I've tried it all. I yeah. followed all of the standard advice. You know, I ate every two hours. I focused on whole grains. I went really vegetable heavy. Mm -hmm. I cut out, you know, fatty meats and processed foods and sugars and sodas and all the things. I think I followed all of the standard advice, Mm -hmm. calorie counting, macro tracking, you name it. I've done it. Mm -hmm. And really, I mean, I get some benefit here and there, but it never would last. It was just never a whole answer. Yeah or it just completely didn't work for me. Like it depends on what it was, but some things just completely failed me. And some things were like, well, it kind of works, but I still don't feel great. Didn't fix everything or it didn't last. So I just, I really wanted to know more. I wanted to understand at a deeper level why this common advice wasn't working. So that's what really took me down this path.
0: Yeah. So bottom line, what you learned from that is that there is not a cookie cutter diet for everybody. Yes, Yeah. <laughs> I think people forget that a lot and they, yeah. they hear about some certain diet or whatever, and they're like, Oh, this is going to be it. That's I'm going to recommend this to everybody because everybody should follow this. And not every diet plan works for everybody. No. And so that's the part that we have to really kind of dial in. As you mentioned then too, is just figure out what's, what's right for each individual person and take it on a one-by-one basis. Absolutely. And understanding
1: that even what works perfectly for you today, yeah. not work perfectly for you in five years yeah. or two years or six months. Yep. Like different our lives are constantly changing. We have to be willing to adapt and change with that and just know that that's totally normal. Nothing yeah. is broken. Nothing has gone wrong. <laughs> if something that used to work no longer works, it just means that something in your body has changed and now you need a new plan what, our bodies change? (laughs) No, that can't be it. The only thing constant in life is change, right? So
0: our bodies are no different. Um, Things constantly change. a good example of that is I'll remind people that something that you didn't, a food you didn't like as a child, you might love as an adult. So you have to try new things because your taste buds change over time too. Uh, I hated mushrooms as a kid. And now there are some that, heck yeah, bring them on. I love them. So, but yeah, it's, yeah, it's, it's a process and you have to figure out what's right for you at that time in your life. That's a perfect, perfect example of that. Um, so tell me some of the, the main, what are some of the main topics that you deal with, with your patients? I know not, not everybody's diets going to be the same, but what are some of those big themes that come across when you, when you talk to people about nutrition?
1: Yeah. A lot of people come with digestive issues. So, and that can be the wide range of everything you can think of from bloating and gas and just discomfort to diarrhea, constipation, like irritable bowel, all these kinds of things. So digestion is a big one. Mm -hmm. That's a really common problem that a lot of people have nowadays. Mm -hmm. Um, I get a lot of low energy fatigue, just kind of lack of motivation, lack of interest in doing things. Like logically you want to do things, but you just don't have the drive or the energy to do those things. Yeah. Um, I get a fair amount of either diabetes or prediabetes or kind of that diagnosis from their doctor and they don't want to go on medications or, you know, they're afraid of that lifelong, you know, prescription train, and looking for remedies around Mm -hmm. that. Um, Mm -hmm. Obviously, weight is a major issue across the board for a lot of people, both actually underweight and overweight. I get a fair amount of people who want to lose weight, but I do actually get some that are struggling to put on weight that have actually lost too much through various illnesses or lifestyle choices or whatever. And now they're struggling to put it back on. So I think that can go on either side of the spectrum. Mm -hmm. Um, and you know, just kind of everything in between thyroid stuff and liver health. And I mean, you just name it, it's everything, but those are kind of the big buckets that most people fall in. Sure.
0: When you get those people that do have like the fatigue, the brain fog type of things, are there certain nutritional deficiencies that you're identifying?
1: Yeah, you know, it really depends. A lot of it is actually blood sugar, which is a Mm. surprising one to a lot of people because not everyone even knows they have elevated blood sugars or that they're having these blood sugar swings or they have really high insulin levels and therefore some insulin resistance. That's one of those that you we don't really feel it. Yeah. And you would feel hypoglycemia if you're truly crashing and you have low blood sugars. You probably would feel that. You'd feel shaky and hangry and you know, irritable and all of those kinds of things really weak, but high blood sugars don't really have a symptom. You wouldn't know that necessarily, unless you did some kind of testing, whether that be lab testing or like finger sticks that you can do at home or a continuous glucose monitor, those kinds of things that would really tell you where you're at. Yeah. But when you have these high blood sugars, your body's not utilizing energy very well. It burns through sugar really quickly And then your brain is kind of starving for more energy. Mm. And so that can be one of the main problems. It can be nutritional deficiencies for sure. Sure. So people who either aren't taking in all of the nutrients that they need or their Mm -hmm. digestion isn't working as well as they maybe think it is. And they're not absorbing those nutrients. Yeah or they have a detox problem. And so they've got toxins building up. Like there's just a lot of things. And that's one of the reasons why I really enjoy using some of the laboratory tests and some of the technologies that can really tell us specifically for you what's going on. Cause there are 15 different reasons why you might be tired. It's a thyroid problem. You know, I mean, there's just, there's so many things it could be rather than kind of guessing at what to fix the lab tests or these technologies can really specifically tell us what's going on.
0: Mm -hmm.
1: So backing up for a second on the the blood sugar being Mm -hmm. high and
0: people not knowing it. um, Well, side comment on that one. So I work in the hospital most of the time. Mm -hmm. That's my, my paying day job. (laughs) And uh, a lot of what I do is helping to identify why people have strokes. So we look at all the different risk factors and one of them is diabetes. And I always tell people, we will check your hemoglobin a one C that three month average of the blood sugar. And we are looking for hidden diabetes. And people always tell me, oh no, I have no problem with that. And I can't tell you how often we diagnose diabetes when someone comes in and has a stroke. They had no idea that their A1C was 13, for example. Uh, yeah. So it's a significant issue and they did not know it. And they, they'll they ask "Then, well, why why didn't I have any symptoms of it? So as you just said, there's, there's not really a symptom of that high blood sugar. And that's a huge problem. So as we're... Yeah.
1: Yeah. And I think, you know, a lot of people think that type two diabetes always comes along with obesity. Mm-hmm. And so if you're sitting there listening and you're thinking, but oh, well, I'm not overweight, so that's not my problem. That's not true. Mm-hmm. It can obviously come along with obesity. The two can be paired, mm-hmm. but they don't necessarily have to be. Right. A lot of the clients that I work with are at a normal weight mm-hmm. and they have really high blood sugar. So don't just assume based on other things that this doesn't yeah. apply to you because it absolutely could. And you yeah. really do want to know. Absolutely. Um, I,
0: I've heard that a lot too. So I dispel that myth quite a bit myself. Yeah. Um, so yeah. And then, so you work with clients and you, um, do you order the blood tests or do you have uh, somebody that, that you work with that does that or.
1: I do. I do have yeah. the capability of ordering it myself. Um, awesome. so it just depends on kind of the the client situation sometimes. Sure they've got a really helpful kind of functional minded physician that they want to work through. And I'm happy to work with, you know, those results if that's the case, Mm -hmm. some of the tests I ordered, insurance companies don't like and conventional medicine doesn't like. And so it would actually cost you more if you tried to go through your conventional doctor for some of this or your regular insurance plan, because they won't cover every marker. And I've seen people get like $2,000 bills for these things. Mm. And you know, a couple hundred dollars through me, It just doesn't even make sense to go down the insurance route. So a lot of the testing I do is either not at all covered by insurance or just isn't something that they'll order. And so I do have the capability to order that for my clients.
0: Nice. Nice. Um, How long is the turnaround for the results on those? Just out of curiosity.
1: Um, on the functional blood chemistry, it's like any other standard blood panel. So it's usually back in a couple days. And then if we do like a full, a stool test or something like that, it's usually a couple weeks to get the results back on those. So it just sort of depends on what kind of testing we're doing. That's not too bad.
0: So you meet with the client, talk with them, kind of get the history, figure out what, which route you're going to go down get your diagnostic testing. Do you wait a little while before you wrap that up and go through the results with them? Or do you get them, get back to them right away?
1: I usually do a quick session right after, you know, we kind of get started to set some goals, to do some just assessment, some deeper dive conversations, you know, make sure that we're both on the same page with all the things that is currently going on and all the things you'd like to see different. Mm-hmm. Um, all of those kinds of things while we're waiting on those test results to come back. So we kind of sure. get going on at least some basic information, you know, yeah. if you, if you're currently not eating a very quality diet. If you're eating out a lot or lots of processed foods, those kinds of things, we can start working on those things because really regardless of what your test results come back, you're going to want to fix those things either way. So we can at least start working on some of the basics that apply to everybody, you know, really focusing on quality sleep, getting some exercise in, drinking enough water, just, Mm -hmm. you know, sort of the basics of things. And then once we get those lab results back, then we can really fine tune Mm -hmm. based on exactly what's going on in your body. So if you do have blood sugar issues, we can fine tune your diet. We could maybe add other technologies in to really get, you know, feedback on how particular foods are reacting in your body. We can really dive into specifics for you based on your imbalances, based on the things going on in your body, the things that are going to get you to your outcome as quickly as possible without really just shotgun guessing at remedies. So depending on what the test results come back, depending on what tests we run, you know, that process looks a little different, Mm -hmm. but that's basically the plan is to then, you know, come up with a targeted plan based on your results.
0: Yeah. Yep. How long does it typically take to work with somebody and kind of get their nutrition dialed in and
1: where it should be? A lot of times we can get the nutrition piece worked out pretty quickly. Sometimes we have to layer it in, you know, it just depends on the person, how comfortable they are with making changes, how big of a change they really need to make, you know, where are they starting at and where do they need to go? Mm -hmm. So it kind of depends again on the the comfort level of the client, how big of changes we're making. Sometimes we have temporary, more restrictive plans to like, you know, clean up a digestive issue or reduce inflammation. And then we're going to add foods back in. So that obviously takes a little bit longer. So it just really depends on the client. I generally work with my clients for at least six months to just make sure that as we go through all of these transitions, as we get results and use technologies or whatever we're using, as we get all of this data and we're testing things out and we're tweaking and refining and finding the perfect sweet spot for you, Mm. that you have that support the entire time. And so I generally, I work with people for about six months, but it doesn't usually take that long to really kind of get in the groove. Most of that ends up just being, you know, answer questions, make small tweaks, you know, sure. those kinds of things, adding new foods back in that kind of thing. Okay.
0: Very cool. Very cool. Um, all right. I was going to go to the next train of thought. <laughs> um How do people find you to get, uh, get worked with you? Do they get referred from other, other providers? Do they find you on their own?
1: Yeah, a little bit of everything. I've definitely gotten some referrals from other medical professionals, colleagues, people that I, you know, work with you that are in nutrition or in, you know, more conventional medicine. Um, Lots of people find me just, you know, searching for, whatever their health challenge is. I get obviously referrals from existing clients or past clients and Mm -hmm. family and friends. So a little bit of everything. Sure. Sure. Uh, what's your favorite topic to cover? I guess
0: there's so many things within that you can cover What's your favorite?
1: Yeah. You know, I really love the digestive health stuff. I think this is one of those things that a lot of people it's kind of like blood sugar. You don't know necessarily that you have an imbalance. You may have those overt digestive symptoms, but you could have some pretty serious gut imbalances and not have digestive symptoms.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And you, you know, you could end up with hormone imbalances or you could end up with chronic pain or lots of these other things, itchy scalp or skin issues. Those can all be gut problems. Mm-hmm. And so I think that's one of those that I it's enlightening for people to realize that they've struggled with say dandruff their whole life. And yeah. it's really a gut problem. Yeah. And so just making those connections for people, I, I just think is Amazing.
0: We often don't think about all the the things that our gut is actually connected to. And when you have, um, so the term leaky gut gets thrown around, and people don't really know what leaky gut is. But it, I heard it uh, described recently as probably the simplest as I could possibly get it. Um, when you've got that leaky gut, the connections within your gut break apart, and those molecules that shouldn't be going through those spaces are able to get through there. And those are those can be toxins to your body, and that's what causes a lot of our a lot of our health issues that we see. Yes, absolutely. That, that was like the best description I've (laughs) ever heard of it. I'm like, Oh my gosh, it makes so much more sense with that. So, um, it's a great way to, to kind of think about it and visualize it and see how you, it truly is a leak. So you've got, um, you've got molecules going in places in your body where it's not, they're not supposed to be right. Uh, and it can affect, and it can affect your skin. It can affect your brain, your, um, energy level, your fatigue joints, your muscles, everything, um, On a personal note on it, I started having skin issues and joint issues. My weight was fluctuating up and down all the time in my early 20s. And I had no idea what it was. I'm in my mid 40s. It was in the last five years that I found out that I actually have celiac. And now it explains so much more, but traditional GI doctor did not diagnose it. It was through functional medicine, doing the more extensive testing, like what you talk about, where we were actually able to find my genetics and genetically I had celiac, whereas the traditional celiac test didn't find it because I've taken all the gluten out of my diet. Right. Yeah, Because I had to.
1: Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. And I think gluten is another topic that a lot of people are a little confused by because celiac, obviously that's the most severe case of gluten sensitivity, but there's a whole range of other people who also should stay away from gluten. Yeah that aren't fully celiac, either genetically or, you know, all the other reasons that you can end up totally intolerant to gluten, but you can be very sensitive to it. Your immune system can react to it Mm -hmm. and that can deplete your immune system from being able to fight off other infections. So why would you want to add, you know, confusion to your immune system? It's got a lot to do already with all the things we're exposed to every single day. You don't want to confuse it with gluten if you don't need to. So I think that's another one of those that is really valuable for people to know how their body reacts to gluten. Now, really, that's one of those nutrients that none of us need in our lives. So <laughs> it's often better to just go gluten-free. Yeah. But I find it interesting I worked with a client recently who, much like you, had already fully okay. removed her gluten. She knew she was very sensitive to it. She knew she yeah. was reacting to all kinds of things that had gluten. So she was very proactive at mm-hmm. reading labels, just you know, hyper vigilant at avoiding gluten. We did her stool test, and one of the markers on the stool test is an anti-gliadin antibody. Gliadin is one portion of the gluten protein. Mm-hmm. Hers was off the chart still. Gosh. She was still having a huge reaction, even though she wasn't consuming any gluten. And so either she was consuming things that really did have gluten in them, even though they were labeled as not having gluten, or she was actually reacting to other foods that don't have gluten, but the body gets confused. And she was eating a lot of like corn products in place Mm -hmm. of flour products, like corn chips and corn tortillas in place of flour And corn is one of those that can be a cross-reactive food, even though it doesn't have gluten in it, Sure, your immune system can see it as gluten and same with oats and same with some of the other grains and some kinds of dairy. So there's really fascinating information. Mm -hmm. She was having really like, she was swelling. She was having a lot of inflammatory kinds of reactions. Sure. And when she removed all of those other things, she lost 18 pounds without even trying. Oh my gosh. It was just all in that inflammation and water retention because of this gluten reaction when it wasn't even really gluten. Yeah. And the other thing is that can be found in a lot of personal care products as well. So she had to go through and look at her cosmetics and shampoos and conditioners and make sure she wasn't getting gluten from those products. Yeah. So. And I will say
0: when I, when I first cut gluten out of my diet, I didn't even think about the products I put on my skin. I'm like, that's not going to be a, <laughs> a big amount. it's not a problem at all. And yeah. I've had to, had to actually stop and think about that. When I first identified it, it was just, it seemed like more of an, a sensitivity at first. Yeah. And I could cheat on my diet, so to say, and, and eat a little bit of gluten and it wouldn't harm me. Or I wouldn't, I wouldn't feel the effects of it at least, Right. but it got worse and worse as time went on to the point where now if I, there's, if, if there's any potential cross contamination, I can't do that anymore either. Cause it yeah. just sets me in a, into a tailspin for like the next 48 hours. And so it's not even worth the chance anymore. Um, and I kind of laugh. I went skiing with the kids over the weekend and at the chalet, I had to ask as they didn't have everything marked. I'm like, is this actually gluten-free? Right. Um, and some people forget about it. So for example, their fryer, yeah. um, if people places will still list on their rest on their menus that their fries are gluten free, but if they go in the same fryer as mm-hmm. things that are not gluten free, they are yep. no longer gluten free right and it, the people that actually have sensitivities, major sensitivities or celiac will have some major issues with that and yep. and I found it really hard when I first t- took the gluten out of my diet because there's that's hidden in so many things it is you would things that you wouldn't even think there Mm -hmm. should be no wheat flour in there, but it's number two ingredient. And uh, so my, my kids have even gotten really good at at looking at recipes for that reason. Uh, And it's, it can be doable. It's just
1: more work. A lot of times people don't
0: want to do the work.
1: Yeah. And you can't just rely on it saying gluten-free. Yeah. You really do have to read the ingredients. Yep. Because A, not every company is going to go through the expense of getting fully gluten-free certified because that's pretty expensive to do and all the added inspections and all the things that go along with it. So a lot of companies just don't go through it. Even if they are gluten-free, they can't claim it unless they go through that process. Right. So you can't, you can't just look for that for that reason. But you also, there's a lot of deceptive labeling, And you just, you really do have to read the ingredients to see Mm -hmm. if there's any wheat products or, you know, any of the gluten containing grains in there or any of the things that can, that can cause you reactions. Yeah. Yep.
0: Wheat, barley, rye, and you have to make sure what, what are you actually looking at in there? And like you mentioned, the the corn can be a a huge factor. Yeah. That's something I'm trying to identify now is if there's still something with that. I ended up with a lot of autoimmune issues. Uh, oh, okay. And it, mine a lot, a lot of them kind of went along with the celiac, but it was very yep. interesting. So uh, this is definitely a topic near and dear to my heart when we yeah. talk about it. <laughs> and uh, a lot of people don't think about the effects of gluten, what they do to your body, just in general, uh, a lot of brain fog, a lot of problems with concentration, problems mm-hmm. with sleep, problems with anxiety and depression, even um, uh, so all of the things that, that I deal with on a, a regular basis in neurology, uh, can be tied back to gluten and people just don't think about it. Yep. Um, uh, it's kind of touted right now as, as seeming to be a fad thing that it's come out of nowhere and it's the cool thing, the cool, all the cool kids are doing it. They're all avoiding the gluten. Um, uh, so it kind of annoys me a little bit when I go to restaurants and they say, well, is it a preference or an allergy? I'm like, seriously,
1: allergy, please don't yeah. have it touch anything on my plate. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, and it's addictive too. It, that's yeah. that's one of the problems is it it can mimic morphine in the brain yeah. and it can truly be addictive. It can give you sort of a high, not a high in the sense of like you're floating on clouds, mm-hmm. but it it does change your brain chemistry, even if you're not sensitive. Mm-hmm. That's just the molecule itself can kind of confuse some of the systems in the brain. So it really is a big deal. Mm-hmm. And yeah, all the cool kids are doing it because the cool kids are smart <laughs> and There's no redeeming benefits to gluten. So the cool kids are smart and we're (laughs) avoiding it whether we have to or not. (laughs) The gluten of today is not what it was 50 years ago either. Gosh, no, it's not. And that's why there's that many more reactions because the crop itself is not the same.
0: Mm -hmm.
1: It's genetically engineered. It's been hybridized and combined with other things. And it's way higher in content in wheat than it was 50 years ago. It is literally not the same plant as it was back in the day. And you can see this if you go to other countries, a lot of people, if you go to Europe, you could probably eat pasta and do just fine. Maybe not if you're full celiac, but a lot of people who are just sensitive to it do just fine in other countries. Yeah. But the wheat here that we grow in the U S is totally different and more
0: people are sensitive to it. There's a reason most of those European countries won't even import our products. It's because of that, yeah. Um, they don't want to, for lack of better words, bastardize their own foods. <laughs> right. So, yeah. Work. Sure. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, it's uh, it, it's an, a fascinating topic uh, that I'm sure will have mu- much more traction even coming up. But it's it's being talked about a lot more now than it was uh, ten years almost ten years ago when I first identified that I was intolerant, as I thought it was at the time. Uh, yeah. So it's. Thankfully, because of that, it's easier to find foods that can fit into those diets uh, because it has become more of a fad.
1: But Mm.
0: yeah, it's sad that we had to get to that point in order to fix some things in our foods.
1: Yeah. The other mistake kind of on those same lines that I see a lot of people make when they are trying to go gluten-free is using all of the gluten-free alternatives. Yeah. And I see that causing so many other problems. Yeah.
0: First of all, it's not
1: fixing the addiction at all. If you're eating a gluten-free bread versus a regular bread, you're still on that addiction train of all the grains. But it's also a lot of what they use in place of the gluten-free or in place of the gluten-containing grains Mm -hmm. ends up causing a lot of digestive issues. Mm -hmm. So you end up with flours and things that we aren't used to really eating, or we're not used to eating in those quantities. Mm -hmm. They, They cause a lot of different digestive issues. So I would kind of caution you from really trying to find gluten-free alternatives and just go for foods that don't contain (laughs) gluten at all. So, you know, lean more into the meats and vegetables and fruits and away from the grains and the fake grains and the pseudo things and all the mimickers.
0: Yeah. What we've been saying for years is shop the outside of the grocery store, right? That's where you get the real foods. Everything in the center
1: is processed and that's going to cause problems whether it's got gluten or not. Yep. So- the yeah, one exception being fixed. a lot of grocery stores, the bakery is also on the outer perimeter. That's true. <laughs> anyway, <laughs> that <laughs> produce, true. meats. <laughs> yes.
0: <laughs> Very true. Um, you mentioned kind of briefly to the dairy causing issues with that as well. Can you expand on that?
1: You know, this is another one of those, like everything in nutrition, it's individualized. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it's, it is one that some people who are sensitive to gluten, they'll have that cross reaction, just like we talked about with corn. Mm-hmm. Somehow the, the dairy proteins or sugars are causing that same kind of reaction in some people, not mm-hmm. everyone. And some people can do like certain forms of dairy, but not other forms of dairy. Like they might be able to do some cheeses, but they can't do milk. Yeah. Those kinds of things. So it, it really is an individualized thing. Sometimes people can do like an organic whole milk, but they can't do like a processed skim milk version of something. So you really kind of have to play with it and see Some people just end up giving up dairy altogether for a variety of reasons. Um, And, you know, if that's what works best for your body, then just do that. Dairy is another one of those that you don't have to have in your life to have a healthy diet. Yeah. So if you find that you get digestive upset or you get, you know, any kind of negative symptom after you eat a certain kind or all dairy, then I would just go that way. Yeah. Yep. Fair. Um, What, what are you, I know my thoughts on
0: this. What are your thoughts on uh,
1: skim milk versus whole milk? I'm a big fan of going as natural as possible. So yeah. whole milk, um, if you can get raw, that's not always easy to do, but that's going to have all the enzymes and all the proteins and all the things that it's found in nature, mm-hmm. you know, not homogenized, all of those kinds of things. Mm-hmm. The more original you can get all of your food, the better. So yeah. I'm a big yep. fan of not going for skim or any yeah. of the processed stuff. Yep few years ago, I read a book about, um, the effects of fat
0: in our body and the good fats, not bad fats, all of, all that whole conversation. And that's where I read, uh, hugely about the skim milk having so much sugar in it, yes. because when you take out the fat, you have to add the sugar back in. Yep. And, uh, it was, they kind of put that in the same realm as a, a, uh, study that was done on, uh, fats and sugars versus fats versus sugars in snacks, For kids, and they actually had two plates of food out. One had a plate of potato chips and one had a plate of cheese, uh, cheese blocks on it, cheese cubes. And they let these kids that were playing help themselves to whatever, whichever snack they wanted. The kids that went for the the chips kept eating more and more and more and more because there really wasn't the nutritional value and they weren't getting their needs met. The kids that went for the plate of the cheese cubes, they ate their fill and they were done. Yep. So that fat is there to help us satiate, to help us meet our nutritional needs. And the food that's just the fluff that doesn't have that, you're going to need more of it. And you're still not going to get
1: the nutrition that you need to. Yeah. One of the big nutritional deficiencies that I ended up with that I was kind of clueless on, even though I knew a lot about nutrition is the fat soluble vitamins. Yeah, And we have this humongous epidemic of really low vitamin D. Vitamin Mm -hmm. D is a fat soluble vitamin. What that means, this is the piece I never connected back in the day. You can't absorb it without fat. So when you see vitamin D enriched orange juice, that's a marketing gimmick. Mm-hmm. They're selling you something that you can't even absorb. <laughs> if they've even added the vitamin D, I question if I right. added the vitamin D, but <laughs> it, let's say they did. You can't absorb it from orange juice. There's no fat in orange juice. So you're literally paying for something you're just going to eliminate because you can't absorb it. So the more we can get back to these whole, natural, original forms of food, like whole milk, Mm -hmm. you're going to naturally get more vitamin D, more vitamin A, more vitamin E, more vitamin K from these natural sources. When you remove Mm -hmm. the fat, you're probably also removing the fat-soluble vitamins, but even if they happen to still be present, you can't absorb them without the fat. It's a fascinating concept as well.
0: (laughs) Yeah, really cool. Um, so what do you do kind of shifting gears a little bit? What do you do to keep your own brain healthy? I'm sure you do some of the things that we talk about.
1: (laughs) Yeah. You know, I think it really does take a holistic approach. I think you, you need a good quality diet. It has to contain those healthy fats. We need adequate proteins. Carbohydrates are the one that we need the least of, although most of us are eating the most carbohydrates, out of the three macronutrients, but carbs actually have the least impact. If you are going to have carbs, make them the complex, you know, good carbs as possible, not refined, not simple, not simple, quick sugars. Like even a lot of fruit, the fruit of today, much like the gluten of today is not what it was 50 years ago. Our fruits have been hybridized. They've been modified to grow really large, to be sweeter. They're just not the same. Yeah. So Prioritize complex carbohydrates that are not sweet. So your vegetables, especially the above ground vegetables, you know, if you're going to then add some of the starchy stuff back in, that would be your tubers, beets, those kinds of things that grow under the ground. Fruits I would minimize. I don't think you have to fully avoid them, but be cognizant of them. They are higher in sugar. Prioritize berries and the lower sugar fruits more so. So I think diet's the first stage. We have to have adequate hydration, Yep. That's just necessary for detox and all of the cellular processes, you know, a huge chunk of our body is water. Yeah. And so we need to be providing that, um, you know, and then there's all the lifestyle stuff. We we need to get back yeah. to good quality sleep. Yeah. We need adequate amounts of deep sleep, adequate amounts of REM sleep, enough total sleep. This is when your brain is detoxifying. This is when you're sleeping. This is when a lot of those repair things happen. And most of us are running on empty and we're barely getting enough sleep to even get out of bed the next day. Mm-hmm. We have to get back to actually sleeping and preferably sleeping on a proper schedule where we're not sleeping during daylight hours. And we are sleeping, you know, in the normal good nighttime hours, like from yeah. 10 at 10 p.m. to 6 a.m. kind of thing. Um, stress is another big one we have to pay attention to. It's causing all the stress chemicals. It's causing a depletion in our immune system. It's just, it's really having an impact on our overall ability to do everything. Mm -hmm. And so I think for me, it's been really just staying in touch with all of those things and really taking stock continuously of how well am I sleeping? You know, have I been drinking more lately than I didn't intend to? And that's interfering with my sleep my digestion off a little bit because you know, that affects how well you can concentrate. It affects your Mm -hmm. cravings. It affects all the things. And so just being more aware and actively playing a role in choosing better in all of those arenas, I think is a big part. And then of course, exercise is critical for brain health. Yeah.
0: What if you have a day when you're getting together with friends or family and
1: you're not quite as cognizant, what do you do the next day? You know, If I have kind of a bad day or things don't go well, then I definitely take stock of why, you know, what was off that caused that? Did I not sleep well? Did I drink too much? Did I eat more sugar than normal? Did I just overeat in general? Even if it was good food, if I overeat, then that -hmm. that affects how well you sleep. It affects just how well well everything works. You know, you think of after Thanksgiving, even though a lot of those are bad foods, but you think of eating that really large meal and you just kind of want to lay around and do nothing. Yeah. Yeah. If you eat too much of anything, that's what your body's going to want to do. So, you know, I really evaluate if I did something wrong, if I didn't, and I feel like everything was in line and I followed all of the right things, then, okay, am I getting sick? Mm -hmm. Is there something that's coming on that maybe it just hasn't fully hit me yet? And I just don't know, you know, so just kind of upping that awareness level and really paying attention. If it was something I did wrong, then obviously get back on track. And, yep, and focus yep. on sleep and good foods and all of the things. If it's not something I didn't do wrong, you know, if it's just like, maybe I am getting sick or there's something yeah. coming on, then take it easy. Yeah. Rest more, yep. you know, drink more water, you know, drink bone broth or, you know, just take it easy. Give your body a break. If you're having one of those days where you're like, yeah, something's just not right here. I don't know what yeah. it is yet, but then listen to that. Bottom line, listen to your body. <laughs> yes. <laughs> absolutely. Yeah.
0: Um, what are you up to? Uh, do you have any projects? Any, are you taking new clients? I am definitely yeah.
1: taking new clients. Um, I'm currently working on creating a free web class. Mm-hmm. Um, I'll I'm hoping to have it out in March. I don't have it. I don't have a full date yet, but I'll have that up here soon. Sure. Um, that's going to be three secrets to fixing your health challenges without getting stuck in the rabbit hole of Google nice. without going down the path of all the conflicting advice and misinformation and all the things out there that just make it harder. Yeah. So I'm, I'm working on that. Hopefully that'll be out in March. Okay. Um, I also have my own podcast, so I've been busy with that and yeah. really enjoying the world of podcasting, doing yeah. interviews like this as yeah. well. So uh had a lot of fun with that. Same. this has been a lot of fun <laughs> every time it's fun yeah. um,
0: where can people find you if they want to learn more about your podcast your your upcoming stuff which what are you what you're working on
1: yeah the the best places is just my website which is healthy Andrea.com okay. from there you can link to all the things you can book a consultation with me if you're interested in learning more about what i do and how i might be able to help you the podcast is linked up there my email list all the things are right there on that page cool awesome anything else you wanted to share before we wrap up today you know, I'll just say that I think health is a complicated thing. I don't think what it takes to live a healthy life needs to be complicated though. Mm-hmm. And so if you're feeling overwhelmed or frustrated or like your doctors aren't listening to you, keep fighting, keep being your own advocate, keep asking questions, keep, mm-hmm. keep digging. There are answers out there. Yeah. And if it is overwhelming and confusing, then definitely find someone who can help you simplify it. But be your best advocate fight for the answers that you know you need. Yeah. Great advice. Great advice. I think
0: people forget to do that a lot. So yeah, we know our bodies best. We do. That's where we do need to to push if we're not getting answers. Yeah. So Good call. All right. I do want to be respectful of your time. So thank you so much uh, for being on here today, Andrea. It was a pleasure uh, talking with you today. I'm sure yeah, we thank you on and so forever. But. <laughs> thank you so much for having me. I had
1: a great time here with this conversation and I hope a lot of people got a lot of value out of it. I hope so too. I think um, we covered a lot of good stuff today. So thank you for that.
0: Have a good rest of your day and good Thanks. luck with your show. Thanks for tuning in to this episode of Brain Wellness, the podcast. If you enjoyed this episode, I encourage you to subscribe, like, and share this with others to help me continue on with my mission to help people live healthier, happier lives. Go to www.brainwellnesssolutions.com to see what I'm up to and get links to all the social medias there. See you next time.